we are getting ever so close to being done with the 12 steps, okay? <laughs> the summer sermon series, right? Where we've been going through the 12 steps of AA or NA. Uh, and you would think that today's the final step, right? So we, would, we must be done, right? This is it. We've made it. Hooray! Uh, but actually, we're doing one more week on living out the steps, so you have to hold in there for one more week. We're not quite done yet. But I, I think we got to pat ourselves, at least, at least uh, Jared and I do, a little bit on the back because we've been, I think, doing a great job at trying to extract a little bit out of the 12 steps each week. We've been trying to preach, trying to give practical illustrations and guidance to help us with something that weighs down all of our souls, and that's sin. All right, yeah, I think we can all agree that sin makes us feel sometimes as if we are uh, trying to breathe underwater. And I've said it every week that I've preached this sermon series. My hope and prayer is that uh, during this series, you can see that there's a path to reconciliation and healing through this 12-step program. There really is a way, a path away from sin. So here we go. We're going to unpack the final step, step 12. Let's take a look at what it is. Step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Now, in other words, we're really going to talk about this morning storytelling, which I know we did a lot over the last couple years, but I want to do it a little bit more today. Part of the beauty of the 12-step program is that there are addicts helping addicts. It really is. It's a benefit to those who have walked the path before them, right? And, and summation, really, what we're going to talk, there it is, sorry, still can't leave. We are called, really, to go tell others about God. We are addicts to sin, right? We need to tell other people about our lives, the mistakes maybe we've made, so that others can learn from our mistakes. That, that's the beauty behind, behind telling others about God in our lives. Now, a fancy biblical term for telling people this is evangelism. Evangelism. Evangelism is literally going to tell other people about God. Now, I get it. Evangelism can be a big, scary word at times because it conjures up really images of bullhorn preachers on street corners, right? That's what, that's what some of us think of when it comes to evangelism. But the mistake is, too many times we think that evangelism means that we've got to be willing to, like, embarrass ourselves. We have to be willing to get in a confrontation or, God forbid, we have to knock on door after door after door. That, I think we can all agree that those type of evangelism methods, they don't, they don't work so well, do they? Or, or people would be doing them all the time. That's not, that's not how our world works. You know, when we come across someone like that, though, or someone trying to live out that type of evangelism, they, they end up really bringing forth an awkward fit, don't they? It's awkward, abrasive, obtrusive, kind of. Let, let me give you an example of one of my favorite awkward evangelism methods, okay? So I lived and grew up in Jackson Township for years, and I think this sign would pass every time we would drive on Fulton Drive. Who remembers this on the side, right? Okay, right? Sadly, it's been painted over. It's gone as you, as you go across it uh, now on Fulton. Um, but, you know, I don't know how many people really came to Christ from this sign. I, I don't think it's really a persuasive method of, of evangelism. Uh, it's kind of a strict connotation. I don't know, stick figures in the fire isn't exactly a great way to scare people into loving God. However, I got to admit, there's one more sign since that one is painted over this one. How many people have seen this sign before? 
It's a little farther away. It's, it's just south of I-71 on your way to Cincinnati when you used to drop off kids at the U, at the U right? Uh, it, it's just south of Columbus. Um, but this sign has made international recognition and renown. There's nothing special about it, right? It just says hell is real, right? But, but it really breaks up the monotony of a long drive, right? There's not much between Cincinnati and Columbus, so a lot of people pay attention to it. It's not very compelling, is it? I don't know how many people really ever come to Christ through a sign like this, this type of roadside evangelism, but this sign has become famous through the local TV and the local media print and stuff like that, so much so that two of the soccer teams, MLS teams in Ohio, the Columbus Crew, FC Cincinnati, the matches that they play against each other, they're nicknamed the Hell is Real Derby because it's almost like an inside joke for the fans that are driving to and from their stadiums. They come across the sign every single time they're making the, the, the trek. Now, let me be clear this morning. Step 12, evangelism step, right? Telling others about our life. This isn't the type of evangelism we're talking about. <laughs> Instead, step 12, it's really focused on testimonial evangelism, not roadside, okay? <laughs> Which is really, testimonial evangelism is defined by us telling our stories to others. It's that simple. But our stories, they need to be personal, persuasive, and they can be powerful. That's the beauty behind testimonies. And, and when you take the time to tell someone a piece of your story or part of your story, it, it's incredibly powerful for them. It is so, so persuasive, especially the people that you're closest with. You know, I like to think that our, our stories, they help teach others, they help to inspire others, and then they help us to create deeper relationship with other people. That's the beauty behind stories. Now, I must admit, as all Christians, our stories about our lives, they should all have kind of a similar theme, shouldn't they? Our, our stories should all have something to do with God. That, that's, that's the beauty about being Christians. Our, our lives are completely changed by God. We should be able and willing to share with other people why God has made a difference in our lives why Jesus inspires us each and every day, why the Holy Spirit really influences our decision-making. You know, so much so that Jesus specifically tells us that we need to be testimonial evangelists, so much so that in his great commissioning in Mark, we're going to be reading out of Mark 16 this morning, verses 14 to 18. We're going to hear Jesus' words to his disciples after he is resurrected from the dead. Here, here are those words of Jesus. It says, Later he, Jesus, appeared to the eleven themselves as they were sitting at the table, and he upbraided them for their lack of faith and stubbornness because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And then Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will accompany those who believe." By using my, my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be found loving and acceptable for you. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, Jesus, you know, in this great commissioning, he commands the disciples to go and tell other people across all of creation. 
And, and then, you know, if we skip a couple chapters in the New Testament, we, we read in the Acts of the Apostles how the disciples, they went out and they made a huge impact in the wider community and began to spread the love of Christ, right? So much so, so much so that I think they were really life-changing encounters and developing relationships with other people. Now, I just want to point something out this morning, you know. I think we can all agree that Jesus was a great evangelist, right? He was. He, he went and he taught people. He, he really invested in people, healed people, created deeper relationships with people. But yet, notice this, Jesus was unable to reach everyone in all of creation, right? That, Jesus' plan, you see, and by definition God's plan, was so different. It involved all of us. It involved all the disciples. It involved all of the church. That was, that's the beauty in Jesus' evangelism method. It was really all about getting the church to go out and spread the word. It wasn't just left up to one person, to one Jesus, right? Well, and one of Jesus' first steps in ministry was really to create what I like to call his evangelist team. It was the group of disciples, okay? These disciples were people that he constantly taught, he inspired, he developed bigger relationships with them, didn't he? And, and I love how we read just the amazing impact Jesus had on each of these disciples to the point where they were willing to leave their jobs behind, they were willing to leave their families behind, they were willing to really give up their whole entire lives. You know, please notice, though, that this evangelism team, it wasn't only made up of uh, preachers, it wasn't only made up of the most talented individuals Jesus could find, it wasn't only left up to the wealthy, no, that's not how Jesus worked. Jesus, Jesus decided to use the most imperfect everyday, ordinary people to spread the word. The disciples, they weren't overly trained. They didn't have some seminary training, did they? They weren't overeducated. Instead, we should know by now that when we read the Bible, we see so many everyday, ordinary people making an extraordinary difference with God. God can use us. He can. He can use us to bridge the gap between the believers and the non-believers. But the key is, is we have to be willing to follow in the steps of the disciples, don't we? To be evangelists, we have to be willing to talk to people about God. That's a big step for a lot of us. But we need to heed the advice of, of Mark chapter 16 to instead invest in others. It, you know, it's just another example of Jesus telling us that, that we can't insulate ourselves from the world. We have to be open to what everyone around us is doing and saying only because we have a chance to influence them about what God and Jesus says, right? Dozens of times, Jesus says in the Bible, he says that we are the one another religion, aren't we? He says we're to love one another, we're, we're to spend time with one another, we're to invest in one another. That's what he's truly saying. You just can't close yourself off from the world. Instead, Jesus says quite the contrary. He says, once again in Mark 16, he says, to spread it across the whole of creation. <laughs> yeah, and the easiest, and I think the best way to do it is by just telling stories. It's simple. It's literally just telling people stories of your own life. That's how you can really make, make a, tell them about the difference that God has made maybe in your marriage. Maybe tell them how God has made a difference in your career. Maybe how God has made a difference in your habits, in your hangups, your hurts. That, that's the beauty of evangelism. You can just tell stories to people about how God has changed your life. And that's why, that's why Bill Wilson created the 12th step of AA. He wanted people to be able to see the struggles he had gone through in his life. He wanted people, other addicts, to see the struggles of other addicts so they could understand how it was all gonna work out. 
for them in the end. It was the beauty of, once again, teaching others, inspiring others, and investing in others. That, that is how evangelism should work today, friends. It really should. It's not by scaring people with a road sign or by trying to preach with a bullhorn, but instead it's about investing in other people. I think that's how we can show people our personal, authentic, true selves. And, and you know, some people would ask, well, why, why do we all have to do it? Can't just some of us do this? Why, why can't the pastor just be the one to be the evangelist? Why can't the missionaries be the ones to only be the evangelist? Why can't the extroverts in life only be the ones to be evangelists? Well, it's simple. <laughs> all we gotta do is read in Mark 16. Jesus tells all of his disciples, that, and that includes us, to spread the word across the whole of creation. It's gotta be a we thing. That's what I want you to hear this morning. It's gotta be a we. It can't just be a me. It's gotta be a we thing because if it was just up to me, if it was just up to Robbie, there are so many people who would never know the love of Christ. It's because I can't reach everyone. And let's be honest, not everyone gets along with everyone. There are certain people that you have closer, deeper relationships with that you've invested your time, your talents, your treasures into. You know, there's just some relationships that mean more to you. It's simple. Maybe that relationship is with your spouse. Maybe that relationship is with a close personal friend that you've known your whole entire life. Regardless, regardless, it doesn't matter. We all have certain relationships that, have a, that we have a deeper level of appreciation, recognition, and value. Yeah, for instance, let me share you a little bit about my inner circle. You know, Steffi and I, this past week, we had the pleasure of having an appliance die on us for the first time. We lost our dishwasher, RIP, sitting in my garage waiting to go out to the trash. Uh, and after, you know, the first thing I did is I went online, right? I scrolled through reviews, I checked prices and availability. You wanna know the last thing I did before I bought a new dishwasher, which is a life-saving appliance, by the way. I didn't know that until this past week. Uh, uh, you know, the last thing I did was I talked to three of the people that I hold closest to my life. I talked to my wife, because, you know, that's really important. We have a special rule in our house. If you spend over $100, you gotta get, you gotta talk to your spouse. <laughs> the, the other people I talked to was my dad, the person who I unequivocally go to each and every time that I have a, a problem or I need some advice, I go to my dad. Then I also, I went to my father-in-law, Bill, because Bill has years and years of experience of installing appliances and working with construction materials. Hear me, this is the point. We all have certain people in our lives who we admire more, just a little bit more. It's not, it's not that we think less of other people, but it's just that there are some people who we value their opinion more. So I want you this morning to think of those people. I want you to think of the people in your life who maybe you hold a little bit closer, a little bit tighter, a little bit more dear. I want you to ask you a hard question this morning. How is their relationship with God? That's what I want you to think about. Because here's the reality, friends. As evangelists and disciples of Christ, you have a unique opportunity to make a difference in that person's life. You should be able to tell them about how God has made a difference for you and why God can make a difference for them. You have such a strong pull on them because you're so close. That's how, I mean, when you invest in other people and develop deeper relationships, all of a sudden, the doors have opened and you can show them the light of Christ. That's how it works. You know, and it's no, it's, no, it's no surprise that when we talk about evangelism, I want to bring up one of the most famous evangelists of, of, of pretty much all of our lifetimes. I know he passed away a couple years ago, but I want to talk about uh, the Reverend Billy Graham. 
Uh, he tells this amazing story about the difference in personal evangelism versus corporate evangelism. You know, in his huge crusades, he would evangelize, you know, thousands of people at a time. It was incredible. But Billy Graham, he, he shares this amazing story about how he held a crusade up in Halifax, Nova Scotia, which is just up in Canada, just east of Maine, okay? He happened to arrive a day earlier than he typically would for his crusade. So he actually was there for his brother-in-law. Leighton Ford was giving the, the, um, the crusade. He was the leader of the crusade that evening. And Billy decided, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go support him, but I'm going to do it in incognito. He ended up putting on a, a hat and some glasses. And, you know, for such a famous person, Billy was able to make it through the crowd without getting noticed. And he happened to be looking for a place to sit down, and he saw this older gentleman who was sitting kind of by himself, and Billy walked up and sat down next to him, and as he watched this guy through Leighton's preaching that evening, he saw that he was nodding along, he, he was really following and listening along, and, and when it came for the altar call, Leighton offered people to come down and accept Jesus in life, and that's when Bill, Billy Graham, he felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit. He, tur he turned to the older gentleman, and he goes, I would love to walk down with you. I would love to, to shepherd you down to the altar so you can accept Christ into your life, and the old man, he, he looked at, at the incognito Billy Graham, and he paused and thought for a moment, and then he responded, and he said, nah, I think I'll just wait for the big gun to come out tomorrow night. <laughs> totally unaware that the big gun was right there in front of him the whole entire time. See, Billy Graham was telling that story just as an emphasis of when you think you know someone, when you're invested in someone, all of a sudden your opinion matters so much. When a stranger comes up to you to evangelize, it doesn't always work the same, does it? That's the importance of, of telling people stories so that you develop a relationship with them so much deeper. It just highlights the importance, really, that we need to extend ourselves a little bit. We need to extend ourselves physically, emotionally, mentally, to just develop deeper relationships with other people. And, you know, I want to be a little bit of a cheerleader this morning. You know, football season really kicked off last week, but I, I really want to be, uh, uh, last Friday, I just want to be a little bit of a cheerleader, a bit of an encourager for all of you this morning because I want to talk about, really, how difficult it can be to be evangelists. I get it. I get it. It's because of the fear of rejection a lot of times that we don't share. But I got to admit, the biggest, the biggest problem for me when it comes to evangelism is a feeling of inadequacy. I really do, I feel it. I feel it right now up here, to be completely honest. But friends, hear me. We are so capable of much more, and it's all because of God. You are so much capable of so much more than you think, and that's because of our God. For me, I, once again, I must admit, the hardest part about being up here this morning is I feel inadequate. Uh, I didn't get a seminary training. I get it. I, I'm really rough around the edges. I think everyone would agree with that. I, if I don't stay to my script, I could drone on and on and on. Nobody wants that, right? I, I'm a little rough around the edges. I get it. But friends, I believe in my soul, with every ounce of my being, that when I extend myself in this way, that it's, it's making a difference. It really is. Trying to develop deeper relationships with all of you so I can help point you to one thing and one thing only, and that's the love of Christ. I know this is how I can best serve the Lord. I can, and, and here's the amazing thing about the love of God. You know, when we don't think we're capable of something, the love of God trumps all that. It's amazing how God makes a way for all of us when we don't think there's a way. <laughs> so when it comes to evangelism, it's all about finding out and discovering your own talents and skills so you can best invest in other people. That way, you can point them in the direction 
of God. And like I said, you're capable of so much more than you could possibly imagine because of God. And when I was thinking about that phrase that's kind of been ringing through my ear this week as I was writing my, my sermon, I couldn't help but think about some of the overachieving things in life, some of the things and projects, especially in science and technology that have gone way above and beyond the scope of the project. For instance, I, uh, I love space exploration. I think some of you know that. Um, for a point, actually, uh, on our honeymoon, when Stephanie and I went to Florida, I made her travel to Cape Canaveral and, and go see all the space shuttles and the rockets and stuff on our honeymoon. So that's how much I love space. So, and Stephanie loves me. So she loves space, right? <laughs> okay, good answer. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I've read about this project for years, and I, and I, and I thought of it again today. Uh, NASA has one of its most infamous overachieving projects. Here it is. It's called the Pioneer 10. It's just a satellite. It's just a satellite, fancy satellite, but back in 1972, NASA launched this satellite into space. Now, in 1972, the farthest human-made thing to go into space was a satellite they launched to Mars. Now, this satellite, Pioneer 10, was designed to make it to Jupiter, and that's a big deal. And the reason why is because it had to traverse through the asteroid belt. It was gonna be the first man-made object to get through all the asteroid fields. And, and the amazing part about this satellite, though, is it was going to Jupiter to take photos and take some pictures of the two surrounding moons. But it ended up doing so much more because you see, through the gravitational pull of Jupiter, the satellite winged itself around and it shot itself off to deep space. It ended up doing some of the most amazing and sending signals back to NASA over 25 years after 1972. It was still transmitting signals and photos all the way back to 2003 when it had traveled more than six billion miles away from the sun. Think about that. This, this satellite was able to transmit stuff six billion miles away. They came up with that technology all the way back in 1972. The most amazing part, though, to me is this thing was powered by an eight-watt power supply. Think about that. Just for a point of reference and perspective, eight watts is barely enough power to turn on a nightlight that you plug into your wall of your children's bedroom or in a bathroom. Eight watts, that's all it took to transmit information six billion miles. Friends, that's how God works. That's how God works. He can take what we think is the most insignificant, smallest aspects of our lives and he can make it exponentially for good. He can take the eight watt tiny transmitters in each of our lives, the skills that we think aren't worth very much, and he expands them to mean so much more friends we just have to be willing to to be evangelists to open ourselves up to being storytellers amen let's pray lord we thank you for your amazing gifts this morning the ways that you bless us in so many ways the skills and talents that you've given and blessed us each from the spirit we're so grateful for those amazing gifts and talents so that we can go out into the world and connect with others in unique and special ways. That way we can invest in them and that way we can point them to you, Lord, a God who loves, a God who changes lives, a God who saves. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So I shared